Genesis 39, we'll begin with verse 5. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he, that is Potiphar, left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not all he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth or knoweth not what is with me in the house. And he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Now, I'll leave off reading there. I have it in my heart in these three services or three sessions that I have with you today to emphasize the threefold test that Joseph endured and passed in his route to exaltation. The Bible says that God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. We're also told that they that humble themselves before the mighty hand of God shall be exalted in due time. Well, God's plan was to exalt Joseph. But he's going to have to pass some tests. And we looked at the first test this morning in the Sunday school hour. I referred to it as the test of his spirit. Whether or not he was committed to God in his spirit. And the primary accusation or the assault of the enemy was the test of rejection. Uh, those of you who were in the class saw Joseph pass that test with flying colors. He didn't uh, seek vengeance. He didn't seek retaliation. So he stepped up the ladder a little further towards the throne. When we come to this 39th chapter of Genesis, we come to the second test in Joseph's journey to the throne. Not only did he face the test of his spirit and whether or not it was committed to God, but he faced the test of his body, whether or not his body was controlled by God. Now, before we approach these verses, let me be very honest and very candid. We all live in fleshly bodies. And Satan knows the appetites of our flesh. And yet, once we have yielded ourselves to the control of God, 
we are no longer to live a life that follows the lusts of the flesh and the passions of the body. We're to yield our bodies and present our bodies as acceptable sacrifices on the altars of God. Joseph is confronted with temptation. He came against the rejection of his brethren and passed the test. Now he comes against the test of temptation. And as you know, he passed the test. But I'd like for us to look at several thoughts that are manifested in these verses of Genesis 39. Let's begin with Joseph's position. We might ask, who is Satan going to attack? Well, he wants to attack every life. But often, he takes a shot at those who are in a point or in a place of leadership. Seems as though he does more damage when a leader is torn down. And Joseph certainly was in a position of leadership. Potiphar has exalted him. Let's begin with verse 1. Joseph was brought down to Egypt, that is, by that Ishmaelite caravan to whom his brothers had sold Joseph. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And he made him overseer uh, over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. I would point out firstly that Joseph's position was one of respect service. He is serving Potiphar, who is captain of the guard. And uh, verse 5 adds that uh, Joseph, uh, the Lord blessed the Egyptian for Joseph's sake. Verse 11 tells us that he was constantly doing what his assignment was, his business. So he's a man of respectful or responsible service. By the way, all of us who are Christians have been given a very respectful place in the service of the Lord. We're not serving Potiphar, are we? Or Pharaoh. But we're a servant of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Sometimes people get in their minds that only preachers are servants of the Lord. But we are all His servants in His kingdom. Verse 5 also indicates, along with what is stated in verse 4, that Joseph's position is not only one of respectful service, but it is one of honor. It is one of exaltation. He made him overseer in his house. 
Verse 5 adds, and he was over all that he had. He is not just a serving, a faithful servant serving Potiphar, but he is a steward of all that he has. He's been given this honorable position. May I say whether you teach a class or not, whether you sing in the choir or not, whether you preach or not, whether uh, you visit or not, we are all given an opportunity to honor God in our bodies, in our service. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, Paul said, that you present your body a living sacrifice, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's nothing that is unreasonable. For a Christian to give himself to God because we have been honored of the Lord. His position was also not only one of respectful service and one of honor, but it was one of blessing. Everything Joseph did, the blessing of the Lord was upon it. The last phrase of verse 5 makes this clear. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. The Lord's hand is upon his life. Let me say there is nothing greater in this world than knowing that the blessing of God is upon your life. Many of us here today, we look at our families, we look at our Jobs. We look at our positions and our possessions. And all of these point to one thing. God has been good to us. God has blessed us. Such was Joseph's position. Let's get that fixed in our mind. It isn't that Joseph is a nobody. But he is a special person in God's purposes. And his body is important in the service of God. May I underline secondly, coming to verse 7. Not only are we confronted with Joseph's position, but we are confronted with Satan's proposition. Yes, you've got Joseph's elevated position, but then you have Satan's cunning proposition. As he assaults Joseph's body. Is he going to pass this test? Is his body controlled by God? Or is he feeling liberty to do whatever he wants to do with his body? Well, verse 7 tells us that uh, Potiphar's wife firstly cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said to him, at a certain time, lie with me. Here, this was a very strong appeal to the flesh. This was not a, a woman of a low station in the world. But here is a woman who is the wife of Potiphar, who is a captain of Pharaoh's guard. Here's a woman who is of prestige. And power. If Joseph would yield to her, 
Who knows what he might have in his hands in Egypt as far as rule and authority is concerned. But if he can wait on God, he's going to have all of that and more. And so the first facet of the proposition was it was appealing to the flesh. Now, let me underline something here. We, we live in a very sensual society. And it seems like that the car dealers can't even sell a car without putting some woman in a bikini to advertise the product, supposedly the car. And I know that we live in a sensual society. But there, there is more to temptation than the opposite sex. It's possible that Satan would tempt you with a new car that you can't pay for. My wife was confronted some time ago about my being gone more than the average person. And you know, some people, they don't know how to diplomatically talk about things. And this person just sort of blurted it out. She said, I, I say with your husband gone, you must face a lot of temptation." My wife, realizing what the woman was saying, said to her, she said, yes, she said, the biggest temptation I'm facing right now is that new living room suit over at Haverty's. <laughs> she said, that's been the thing I'm fighting lately. Well, there's more to it than the opposite sex. There are all kinds of opportunities that Satan would put before us. And they all appeal to the flesh in one way or another. Then notice this proposition of Satan not only was appealing to the flesh, but it came at a very opportune time. No one was in the house but Joseph and Potiphar's wife. It's been said that you and I reveal what we really are. When no one else is around. And Joseph has a very opportune time here. Just he and Potiphar's wife alone. And as I've already alluded to this, it was somewhat advantageous personally. Yes, it appealed to the flesh. Yes, it was at an opportune time. But it would have been advantageous for Joseph. He could control this woman, and she controls her husband, and her husband has a large role in Pharaoh's courts. Then Joseph would have more pull in the kingdom. Well, it was God's plan for Joseph to have pull in the kingdom. But it was not his plan to use Potiphar's wife to give it to Joseph in this subtle, fleshly way. I was thinking this morning as I drove over about the temptation of Jesus. Uh, you remember Satan said to him, uh, he said, why don't you turn these stones into bread? After Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and was hungry, Satan said, Just, if you're really the Son of God, turn those stones into bread. And you remember Jesus did not do that for Satan's Desire to please Satan. And yet, the first miracle, just after that, the first miracle that Jesus performed, he did turn water into wine. 
turning stones into bread would have not glorified his father. It would have advertised Satan's control. But turning water into wine revealed the glory of God down at Cana of Galilee. And so Satan makes his proposition known to Joseph. Now, coming to verse number 8, after Potiphar's wife has tried to entice Joseph, we've looked at his position, Joseph's position. We've looked at Satan's proposition. Let's come back to Joseph now in verses 8, 9, and 10. And let's look at Joseph's opposition. Now, here is the test of his body. Will he yield to the proposition? Or will he be, with God's enablement, in opposition to the proposition? Well, Joseph, as you recall, was very determinedly opposed. He resisted Satan. The Bible said in verse 8, But he refused. And said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house. And he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. Notice his opposition is what I'm calling instant opposition. Or he he refused instantly. He didn't vote on it. (laughs) He, He didn't call for a business meeting. And say, uh, Joseph, me, myself, and I, am I in favor of this or not? If in favor, let's hear I. No, Joseph didn't play with this temptation. He didn't wait and muse on it and think about it and, and, and surrender to it. But instantly, he was in opposition to it. You've heard it all your life, that adage, give the devil an inch and he'll take a yard. I've found that he'll take a mile. He keeps on kicking the door back, doesn't he? If you open the door, he keeps on pushing it back further. Joseph's opposition was instant. But in verse number 9, we see secondly, he not only opposed instantly, But he opposed definitely. It isn't that he said no, but we'll wait a while. Maybe this will all work out. No, he was definitely opposed to the proposition. Verse 9, he said, There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He did not look at this as though uh, he was just dealing with Potiphar's wife. He looked at this as though he was giving an account to God. His body was to be controlled by God. And so he opposes He is in opposition to the proposition instantly. He is in opposition to the proposition definitely. But oh, here's the real test. 
He was in opposition to the proposition constantly. Verse number 10, and it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. Joseph was not just Strong on one occasion, but constantly. He was controlled. His body was controlled by the Lord. Oh, beloved, what an incentive for you and me not to just come to the altar and expect momentary help, but to daily surrender ourselves to God that we might have His constant grace and His strength hour by hour. The ones that I have hope for are those who constantly admit, Lord, I'm weak. I must have your strength. The ones who say, oh, don't worry about me. They're the very ones I'm worried about. I can handle it. I know what I'm doing. Oh, how foolish to depend upon the flesh. I was in a service recently and as the the past, I was riding with the pastor. I'm already seated in the pastor's car out front of the church. The window is down because I'm hot. And a young woman in the church, I would say 27, maybe 30, the pastor said to her, he called her name. He said, oh, I'm so glad you got the promotion. You got the job. We'll be praying for you. If we can do anything to help, let us know. Which I thought was more than a gesture. I felt like it was his heart. Here was her response. Oh, I wish she hadn't responded this way. She said, yes sir, I got it. I can handle it. I wonder how long she can handle it. Oh, wise is that person who says, oh, please keep praying for me. Please keep praying for me. I need God's strength. I need God's help. And so Joseph not only instantly and definitely, but constantly, day by day, refused to give in to Potiphar's wife's desires. In verse number 12, we revert back to Satan's strategy. We've looked at Joseph's position. We've looked at Satan's proposition. We have noticed, thirdly, Joseph's opposition to the proposition. Notice quickly in verse 12, Satan's imposition. Oh, what an imposing daredevil the devil is. Verse 12, as Joseph has come into the house to do his business and no one was there, the Bible says she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth. Then she began to make up excuses. I'm just going to mention this very briefly. But Satan would dare impose upon you. He would dare impose upon me that he might knock us out of God's plan for our lives. How dare it? Oh, she grabbed his garment. How demanding. She suggested it first, but now she is dogmatic. How desiring. 
I thought of what Jesus said to Simon Peter. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he might sift you as wheat. That he might show all of the bad about you. That's Satan's imposition. Somebody say, well, I took a stand for God a long time. Well, don't think that Satan is not looking for an opportunity to impose upon your life. Of course, lastly, we have Joseph's composition. Oh, I like this. He lost his coat, but he didn't lose his character. He may have lost his outer suit, But he did not lose his inner strength. He may have been caught leaving the house in his underwear, his undergarment. But he was not caught unaware. He saw Satan's desire to ruin his life. And then she mocked him and She said, why he came in here and tried to take advantage of me. And you remember, Joseph was sent to prison for doing what was right. But hold it, he passed the test. And by going to prison, that'll not be the end of Joseph. God's going to make some connections down there that'll take him on to the throne. God's ways are not our ways, but his ways are right. And his ways are best. Joseph has passed the test. First he passed the test of his spirit. Their spirit, the spirit of his brothers, did not affect his spirit. But he was committed to God in his spirit. And now he has passed the test of his body. He is controlled by God even in the most intense moments of temptation. May somehow God use the story of Joseph. And God willing, we'll pick up tonight where we leave off here. But may God take this facet of the story of Joseph to help us to give our bodies totally to the Lord. We're no match for the enemy. And we can't even live up to our own expectations. But the Lord can help us as we yield ourselves to Him. Do you believe that? Oh, I do. Be ye holy, he said, for I am holy. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. May the Spirit of God help us in these days to live clean in our bodies. You're standing with me, please.